Hey everyone, welcome back to the Digital Advertising Podcast. Here we are going to be discussing the week's news, trends, and updates from the world of digital marketing and technology. I'm your host, Chris Clark, and with me, I have my co-host, Karthik Nair, and behind the scenes making all the magic happen is Connor Sage. Uh, Karthik, how's it going today, man? Pretty good. Awesome, dude. Well, there's been a lot of uh, stuff going on in the tech world and just uh, overall been making some headline news has been Uber and Rockstar. Um, So we're just going to dive right into it today. Um, Basically, uh, Uber and Rockstar just went through a couple hacks um, and Karthik just did a little bit more digging based on who did the hack and kind of what happened. So Karthik, why don't you enlighten our listeners on what's going on over at Uber and Rockstar? Sure. Um, Uber and Rockstar took over by an 18-year-old. This kid goes by Teapot Tuber Hacker, but initially he started off with uh, hacking into Uber through their Slack channels, um, apparently posting some really, um, well, just uh, inappropriate content. (laughs) And then uh, going into Rockstar, he did the same, but it came, I think, uh, a couple of days later where he... Uh, announced that it was him that did both of them. So uh, there's a lot of things that's unfolded since that. Uh, One, Uber's uh, lack of privacy uh, issues, and then Rockstar's leak of their new game that's going to be coming out uh, probably in the next year or so, uh, GTA 6. Yeah, and I know a lot of uh, people were sharing the the screenshots of GTA 6. Uh, if you're a gamer or if you follow any anything related to the gaming space, Rockstar, uh, your Grand Theft Autos, your Red Dead Redemption, um, they've been a massive publisher for for games. And so Grand Theft Auto 6 has been like kind of the creme de la creme in any video game Definitely. over the last decade of what would be coming out. And so... Uh, Rockstar came out with a tweet basically acknowledging the hack um, and very, very disappointed that these images did come out. Um, it looked dope, obviously very early yeah. on in the video game, but uh, very excited for some GTA. Now, on the Uber side, uh, Karthik, what were some of like the ramifications? Like, What was this guy doing? Was he just trying to prove a point that he could hack into Uber? Um, was there any like, you know, malintentions? Uh yeah, uh, I think there was a security breaches specifically, but within I think Uber itself, uh, it showed kind of the pitfalls of where their uh, employee data or employee security breaches was uh, in effect. Um, Uber, I think, uh, really uh, came to light because of how their employees' uh, lack of maybe specific uh, security uh, protocols was the reason for this because if someone's able to hack into your Slack, then that uh, opens up employee data, personal data, all of these different things that could be hugely detrimental to the company's infrastructure. So data itself uh, being such a valuable asset for Uber and how much they're spread out Mm -hmm. around the world, it is a big factor. It's kind of surprising. Um, You know, and you would think that Uber, and I'm sure they do have... Uh, well, to a certain extent, they're, uh, you know, bells and whistles all tied up in regards to data. But, um, you know, it's it's wild to see uh, an 18-year-old um, doing this. I know there was uh, a hacker a handful of years ago um, that got onto, I think it was Obama's Twitter and a couple other politicians yeah. and uh, was able to 
kind of generate a bunch of crypto, but it was caught because the blockchain. Um, but this guy's come out and kind of mentioned, um, hey, I, I did this between the two hacks. So I, I would see this guy is most likely going to have a really nice tech job coming up uh, yeah. coming up soon. I, I feel like for the ability to go into a Slack channel, uh, go through the other little tentacles of uh, the back end and to, to hack into employee data to whether they're looking to sell it or whatever that might be, very, very terrifying. Um, so Uber, got to step it up. Rockstar, got to step it up. Well, that Rockstar and Uber hack information was our appetizer. Now we're going to dive right into the the main course here. And, you know, we were talking about data in regards to the, the Uber and Rockstar hack. Uh, data is something that with us as marketers, it is it is everything. Data pops up in every single conversation. It's, it's how we inform our media, our creative, uh, everything in regards to a strategy. And so we wanted to kind of share what type of data is out there right now for marketers. Um, and then in another episode, we'll kind of talk about use cases and how to utilize that data. So Karthik and I are going to go through this data and, and share with you all what we find is very instrumental for, for your marketing plan. So, uh, over the past decade, uh, the the two data the, the two pieces of data are two main data sets that um, you've most likely seen if you're in marketing, and even if you haven't, have been first party data and third party data. So briefly, first party data is information a company directly connect or collects about consumers as the consumer acts with the brand. So think of any any uh, e-commerce sales, uh, ticket sales, lead generation on a website. Uh, first party data is that physical address, first name, last name, email. Um, and you're able to use that data for a lot of really cool things, whether that's lookalike audiences, re-engaging with them through uh, tactics called IP targeting, or using that data with forecasting tools to kind of see um, what has made the audience that has previously bought products or visited a page, um, you know, going and using that to find a whole swath of newer individuals. The other part of data that we have heavily used over the last decade has been third-party data. Now, you may have heard from Google that cookies are going to be going away. Google's been pushing this back every few years now. Uh, 2023 right now is kind of uh, maybe in 2024 um, on the horizon. So we'll see what happens with that. But basically cookies and third-party data is data that is aggregated from a number of public and non-public sources. So they may not be given explicitly by the consumer, but this is literally your Think of it as anywhere you go on the internet, you're leaving a little fingerprint behind. And so websites and companies are siloing that data and then they're reselling the data. Now, we might not know that it's 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 Karthik there, Chris Clark, but we do know based on behaviors that you're um, doing within the internet or you know uh, reacting within these applications, uh, we can kind of give a good guess on based on who that person is, we're going to serve that product to them. So Third-party data is essentially when Google kind of wipes cookies, is going to be going away. Uh, but right now, uh, still very instrumental in doing any type of programmatic campaign, any type of social campaign. I mean, any type of advertising campaign that you're, you're running digitally, you're still able to utilize that that data, whether it's from uh, programmatic uh, vendors or all of your walled gardens on social. Um, the two others uh, that are are relatively new to the party, and, and I'll, I'll really let Karthik kind of dive into this, is, is second-party data and zero-party data. Now, 
Really quick with these, uh, you know, zero-party data, information that a consumer actively and freely shares with the brand. Second-party data is another company's first-party data that your company has permission to use enforced by, like, contractual agreements. So I know that was a lot. Karthik, give me your feedback really quick. Like, I mean, for you in zero-party data and second-party data, what are you seeing right now as some of the, the benefits of this as opposed to maybe how we've looked at first-party data or use first-party data and third-party data in the past? Yeah. Um, with first-party and second-party data, uh, it's something that we've uh, a brand or a business would be able to acquire. While third-party data is mostly used for better personalization of ads to find better audiences, better customers. Now, with how third-party data is going to become less available and less valuable because of privacy laws and with these different stringent measures, uh, zero-party data is high quality because of how they're gathered, because of the consent that the customer gives to the brand or the business to uh, collect this information. It's just going to become really influential because personalization with everything is right now the norm. And with zero-party data, you could really have a better kind of uh, cohesive uh, quality of data. You have better interactions, better uh, questions coming out of there, better feedback. Uh, you can get in information on what a specific customer might uh, like within your product selections. Or uh, you'd also be able to get better customer acquisition. So because your uh, brand is already associated with this customer or this customer base, and they've already given you this information, you can just leverage this to go back to them with that information and tell them, hey, we've curated this uh, specific selection of products that you, uh, you have already said yes to, and now we're sending it back to you. With third-party data, it's your kind of grabbing at air from different points of information, while if you have zero-party data, you already have all of these different points of information curated, collected, and scrubbed to be basically uh, as precise as possible. So it is um, kind of, I think, uh, the next phase of how data is going to be valuable in order to build uh, a kind of a relationship with your client, which I think a lot of brands are right now doing. Um, Apple, even though uh, they've put together all these different uh, stringent measures, uh, one of the main things that they have is they've built a kind of, I think, following or uh, a, t a type of consent with allowing their customers to decide if they want their data to be tracked or not. And I think that's uh, a huge thing with how people are looking at uh, privacy laws right now. So consent, I think, is going to be a huge factor in understanding what a customer uh, needs to know or wants to share. No, I agree. I think uh, moving forward, you're going to see that. I mean, that's just the way that the, the world's going. And um, I would hope that people really want to see ads that are, you know, more catered to them. Um, but again, you know, very, very uh, interesting stuff in regards to data. We just wanted to kind of share with you all um, based off of what's out there. Um, and, and again, if you have questions based on what we said, please feel free to hit us up. We're, we're at Digital Ignite. That's digital-ignite.com. Um, and we'd be more than happy to kind of sit down and share with you best practices, how your business or your brand uh, can utilize this data as best needed. Karthik, thanks so much, man. Thanks, man. All right, now it's time for our quick media updates from Karthik. Karthik, what do you got going on this week, man? Yeah, I think um, TikTok has uh, really kind of been in the news in the last couple of, I think, 
uh, months. But always, <laughs> always, yes. But TikTok is a platform like no other, right? Uh, it is uh, a big content platform. It delivers a big audience. It's got even better engagement. I don't know if you if you go and look at any TikTok video, there's so much engagement within the con uh, comments itself. There's likes on the comments. There's comments on comments on comments. But the most thing I think that's coming out of this is marketers are really starting to prefer. TikTok as uh, a direct-to-consumer uh, kind of vehicle for their brand. Um, TikTok is really leveraging that with uh, sponsorships on, like, say, BookTok is now getting a, a tie-in with Penguin Publishing House mm-hmm. so they can uh, review their uh, books, uh, review their books, uh, just talk about their books. And I think this would be a way for brands to say, uh, if home furnishing talk is a uh, possible uh, subset, then say home goods or uh, beds for less could really leverage in sponsoring that and just put content out of there. But I think the main thing about TikTok is they're just being really good with creating really engaging content and brands and businesses are really able to leverage that by using already existing content or pairing with uh, really good creators to make that. So TikTok is uh, leveraging that by also uh, going after the bigger and smaller players. There uh, also talks about them copying Be Real by featuring something called TikTok Now, which is kind of on the same kind of basis of what Be Real is uh, on how a social media app is. TikTok is uh, becoming more and more relevant to audiences of all uh, ages and sizes. No, they're juggernaut. It's uh, it's really nuts to see the growth of TikTok. Um, and regardless of you know where you stand in the world, uh, somebody that you know within your household or yourself has a TikTok. And uh, we may have touched on this in the last episode, but you know TikTok's going to replace Google in regards to you know searching, and and people are, are going more towards. TikTok to see how things are done. Like think of like, you know, back in the day, I took YouTube to pass Photoshop, you know, because the teacher was just teaching us off YouTube. So I was like, I'm not going to pay for this course. I'm going to do it myself. Uh, but folks are going to TikTok now for for all of this type of information, whether it's learning, entertainment, all of that. So uh, for brands, we've seen it um, over the last, man, year, year plus, really COVID expedited it. But um, TikTok budgets are gone up massively for us. And definitely. it's uh, definitely seeing um, a lot of really cool results too from, from our brand. So uh, very interesting with TikTok. Now the be real thing, like uh, run me through that. So like, what, what are they, what is, what is going on with that and TikTok? So what is, what is the ultimate goal there? Be real, I think has really sprung up in the, this, this year, I think has definitely made their biggest strides, but be real is a, I think is a less is more approach type social app where, you know, you're just taking something uh, at the moment you're sharing with your friends. Uh, it, I think, reinforces kind of a more streamlined, not flashy uh, approach to uh, a social media app. And um, a lot of big players are starting to take notice. Uh, so TikTok's just kind of like, oh, wow, we're going yeah. to steal that feature from you, which everybody else has been doing from TikTok recently. Yeah. And Be Real, I think, is getting a lot more favorable within kind of the Gen Z and millennial audience because it's a lot less, uh, well, clean cut. It's mm-hmm. very fresh. It's uh, it's raw. Uh, it's very approachable. And there's a little bit of uh, empathy because you're just taking uh, random shots uh, at random points of time. Uh, there's, I think, a lot of authenticity that comes through it. And brands really are starting to leverage that because authentic- 
authenticity is uh, a big aspect of being a brand that is relatable for sure that trustworthiness of the brand and feeling definitely connected to it definitely is a massive massive piece to it so that's that's really interesting um yeah you know again flattering that uh tiktok's trying to take that yeah. away. that means that means they're doing something right and uh for sure the, the juggernauts there are are scared um Diving into the National Football League, uh, they are getting very, things pro- there. yeah, they're getting very progressive in regards to all of their media rights, and uh, apparently now uh, Apple's jumping into the Super Bowl. What's going on with that? The Super Bowl halftime show is going to be done by Apple Music. So Can what does you, that mean? I mean, so what are they what are they looking to do? Like, that's, um, that's wild. I think the new Super Bowl halftime show is going to be an actual track that's going to come out on Apple Music. They signed a multi-year deal. It's going to start from next year's February 23 uh, Super Bowl. But I think uh, now NFL is really going to start uh, utilizing OTT platforms, uh, these different uh, content warehouses uh, to leverage and kind of find a bigger audience because... I think now it's just been structured that only the big like cable companies are kind of having this uh, this channel. But now um, Amazon, we've we're gonna dive in, right into that. But that's their next big frontier for NFL. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, if you think of like the streaming habits of of people right now and just how quickly um, all of the different uh, traditional like entities, whether like, I mean, when I say traditional entities, I think of like an ESPN or NBC or an ABC, all of them have these apps now. And so it's like all these TV rights deals that have been put together for the last, you know, decade to 20 years that, you know, whether the NFL or college football is locked in, you're starting to see some of these streaming services fight over the rights for it. So I think it's, it's fascinating. Like, you know, but for example, with, uh, with Apple jumping into this, you know, Pepsi had been the the longtime sponsor of, yep. of the Super Bowl. So for this, it's it's a big you know opportunity for Apple to jump in. Um, obviously, as Apple, everybody knows Apple, but to get into the biggest sport in the world or one of the biggest sports and leagues in the world is is massive. So it it, it looks like uh, the NFL had been you know shopping around a, a deal. I'm reading for fifty million dollars, and uh, Apple said let's let's do it. So um, going to be very interesting. Uh, the, the Apple individuals came out and said that you know they've prided themselves on marketing its brand differently than consumer goods companies such as Coca-Cola, Budweiser, Budweiser and McDonald's, uh, which have had long histories on sports, sport, sponsoring sports and cultural events. So we're starting to see that shift of like our, like they said, that Coca-Cola, McDonald's side to these tech entities jumping in. Yep. With it. And then you had mentioned Amazon. So Amazon, this is, this is actually pretty amazing because I don't think people thought that this would have gotten the success it got. Um, but basically, uh, Amazon is now cut a deal for Thursday night football games with the NFL. And you basically have to have an Amazon account. You have to have Prime to watch yep. it. Um, you know, think of that. It could be a negative, but actually it's it's been a positive massive. Definitely for been a positive for Amazon. Oh, for sure. Yes. Driving people, you know, and again, Amazon in a way, like they I mean, everybody uses that app left and right. So hey, why not, you know, Thursday night, come on over. And I know the Thursday night football game has been a uh, atrocity in the past uh, decade plus with ESPN and just trying to figure that out. But with uh, this new Amazon Prime um, football package, they uh, brought in 15.3 million viewers for that Chiefs Chargers game. So they Whoa. put together a really good matchup right off the bat. So you had two really great teams. And then they've paired um, 
Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet together. So you've got, you know, uh, one of the goats of broadcasting and Al Michaels. You've got one of the more, uh, let's say for me, a millennial, uh, fan of Kirk Herbstreet from the college football, you know, college game day side partnering up here. Um, you know, the first couple days or first couple weeks, it's been, it's been massive. So, um, you know, I, I think with what Amazon's looking to do, you're going to see other streaming services look to buy rights. I mean, the MLB, I believe, has been doing YouTube and some other um, entities out there to get these younger people to watch these games because people aren't going to stadiums anymore. Yeah, and this is surprising because it looks like everyone is kind of phasing out of the cable because the last two weeks has been really detrimental to DirecTV's kind of... Um, influence over the NFL uh, kind of landscape uh, the last two weeks has been uh, really uh, a weird point for DirecTV where they had a lot of issues uh, over the entire three-hour game itself where uh, everyone was going on all their viewers were going on Twitter and just like bombarding uh, DirecTV with all these different uh, complaints that they had so uh, Amazon really came at the right time. Uh, I don't know how it is. Uh, it might be connected. It might not be. But, you know, it's definitely interesting to see how a huge shift in dynamic is going to happen. Oh, definitely. And I mean, we're recording this right now on uh, Friday, September 23rd. The second game um, for for them was last night. And it was uh, Chiefs or excuse me, not Chiefs. It was the uh, the Steelers versus the Browns. Yep. Um, and so we we'll, caught a little bit of that yesterday. It was yeah, pretty it was interesting. Good game. Definitely. And um, the best thing about it is uh, while you're you can watch two screens at the same time. So you can have the live commentary and also the live game at the same time, but being able to switch between it or on different devices. Yeah, and I noticed too, this is actually, if you have the uh, the app as well, like you get the live sports, or yep. like the stats, the box, yeah. all of that within your, if you're doing it, like let's say OTT, I'm like, I watch it on my cell phone. Um, and I thought that was, that was unique. I love the, uh, the color sway or the color, the color pattern that they put out there for it. So, I mean, really kudos to uh, Amazon for putting this out there. And again, just trying to be that uh, entity a couple steps ahead. So, I mean, it said they roughly paid $1 billion to exclusively broadcast these games for the next 11 seasons. So uh, Bezos was sitting right next to Roger Goodell uh, last week. Cool. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens, but it's, it's, it's amazing because there's 200 million prime subscribers worldwide and that's and always digital growing. watch parties are about to get really interesting right now because you and your friends could watch the game not on separate ad platforms both of you have prime both of you can sit and watch it you could be on different sides of the world but you're still being able to see the same content and be able to interact with each other yeah and i'd also say too like and it's a great point like to be able to have that uh community ability across the world to, to interact with this i'm excited to kind of see how um you know the world cup or soccer gets into this here in the next few months um but yeah it's 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 some exciting stuff here the uh the nfl amazon um going for it. But one last, you know, thing that I was thinking about with this Amazon integration to the NFL is the opportunity for advertisers moving forward. So, Huge. you know, it's still pretty new. Uh, I know a couple of the ads I was seeing were actual Amazon Prime ads, which I thought was really funny as a pr Amazon Prime user, like I'm getting served to, to try More to Prime buy, ads. Yeah, <laughs> buy Amazon Prime. But um, yeah, I think that as we, we talked about this last week with Netflix looking to get into the game, um, this is going to be really unique opportunities too. If Amazon has 200 million plus subscribers on Prime and growing, uh, the ability to uniquely serve specific creative to these people is going to be phenomenal. So very exciting to see all of that. Yeah. And uh, 
with all of these OTT and content platforms starting to release an ad supported tier, we talked about Netflix and Apple's last week, but now Disney is also coming out with one uh, cheaper option for their packages. Mm. So now Disney is also going to be an ad supported tier that's going to be coming out by December. So all of these are coming right in time for 2023. 2023 is going to be a global, like really influential year for advertisers because they're just going to have a plethora of options sure. uh, to be in front of the best consumers in, f- in on the best networks uh, be- behind the best brands. So gives me excited, man. Seriously. Definitely. And, and guys, girls, brands, companies do video, get yeah. that video, short form video and get it out there because it's, it's king right now through all of the different social channels, OTT, CTV to Karthik's point with all of these new streaming options. Uh, it's really cool. Definitely. All right, Karthik. Um, thank you, man. This was uh, this was a lot of fun, y'all. Um, we wanted to uh, touch base on again just some of the trends that we see. Uh, we want to keep this going on a on a weekly basis. But uh, Karthik, how how do you feel so far about everything? I'm excited just because uh, all of this is coming out right at the end of the year. So uh, 2023 just seems like a very exciting time to be in this space. So the more we uncover each week over week, I'm just really excited to be talking about it. Yeah, man. Well, with that being said, uh, this is the Digital Advertising Podcast, and we are powered and brought to you by Digital Ignite in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, you can find us, like I mentioned earlier, at digital-ignite.com. You can find us on all of the social media channels. I suggest and advocate you to reach out to us to learn more about this wild, wild west of digital marketing and technology. Um, but until next week, my name is Chris Clark, and for Karthik Nair and our super producer behind the scenes, uh, Connor Sage, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next week.